This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Football's back. Derby Day looms. This is the Blood Red podcast. I'm Guy Clark as we get set to preview the 236th Merseyside Derby. We'll get into Jurgen Klopp's press conference, all the talking points from that. Richarlison with his say on Virgil van Dijk. And finally, we'll finish with our welcome back to the team selection and pre-match predictions. Alongside me to get into all of that is our chief LFC writer, Ian Doyle, our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst, and our Blood Red writer, Matt Addison. Gentlemen, how are we all? You okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, very good, thanks. I, ju- I have to say, I'm almost as excited as Connor Dunn today because we've had the press conference, we've <laughs> seen Jurgen Klopp. No, it's not that, possible. That, that's why I said, Doily, almost, because <laughs> I, we, we've had Jurgen Klopp on a Zoom. Gorsty, you were on there, as was our video editor, Sam Fedrizi. Just how good was it to, to be able to speak with Jurgen Klopp once more? <laughs> quite quite surreal, actually, when you, you get used to doing Zoom chats with your mates, you know, doing quizzes and then... Next thing you know, you're chatting with Jürgen Klopp. It was, a, it was a surreal experience, but, you know, it's going to be the, the way for the foreseeable future, so I'm sure that's one we'll all get used to. But, yeah, it was, it was good, to, good to be back on there. He, he started by having a little jab of everyone's haircuts, which uh, is fair game at the moment, certainly for myself. But I think his is, a, his is in a similarly strange state at the moment, but it was, a, it was an interesting one. Good to be back. Yeah, I have to say, during the lockdown, I've just embraced the lockdown. <laughs> Doily, you've had a, a fresh trim yourself as well, mate, as we as we do talk about haircuts. But just in terms of the press conference and the fact that actually we are now through all of this project restart, we saw the football getting underway midweek. Now it's time, of course, on Sunday for, for Liverpool to get into action themselves. Yeah, the uh, null and void brigade have gone a bit quiet, haven't they? I mean, I think they were desperate for things to go a little bit wrong on Wednesday, but it seems to have been... They've gone off fairly smoothly. Well, apart from the fact that they can't tell the balls cross the line or not, but that's another that's another <laughs> matter entirely. It's got nothing to do with what's going on. Perhaps they should have turned it on. It, it, it might work then. Anyway, uh, yeah, it, you know the, the Liverpool back in action. It, it was a bit surreal seeing Jurgen Klopp on the video, and as, as Gorsty says, he definitely does need to to sort his head out. That's for sure. I mean, uh, it may might be waiting a while. So uh, it'll be interesting, won't it? Actually, because we have to assume Liverpool win the league. When they're going to get these pictures taken of him winning the trophy, they're all going to go. No, no, wait, wait, wait till the barber's back open. Then we'll get it done. Then we because obviously these pictures are going to last forever. So I don't know. The strange one. Yeah, vain, vain Premier League footballers worrying about what they look on on photos. I'm sure, <laughs> sure that won't be. Yeah, true, yeah. true, true. <laughs> I'm sure that won't be an issue. Matt, how excited are you? Yeah, very much so. It, it sort of feels like the, the first day of, of normality, really, for a long time, obviously, with the press conference that we were preparing for before and things like that. It, it sort of feels like the first day, really, that, that football is back, certainly from you know all of us who cover Liverpool on a, a regular basis. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big day, I think, obviously. Everyone will have watched what happened on, on Wednesday night and a couple more matches tonight. But certainly for, for Liverpool fans, it, it all starts again on Sunday and it couldn't really be a bigger game to go into, could it? So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great time, isn't it? Yeah, no, certainly couldn't be a bigger game. So let's get down to it. Talk about the Derby. Goodison Park awaits for Liverpool. And Gorsty, in that press conference, Jurgen Klopp was holding, he was asked, of course, about team news and there still remains somewhat of a doubt over both Mohamed Salah and Andy Robertson. Yeah, he's playing his cards close to his chest with that one, isn't he? He's quite clever in the, in the phrase phraseology of it, shall we say, where he says no one's ruled out yet, which doesn't mean that they're not injured. Um, it's perhaps giving them as much chance as they can before they say, right, well, 
yeah, you can't play a part and, and maybe none of us will find out. We'll just see if, if Salah or Robertson are, are in the team when the team sheet drops at, at six o'clock on, on Sunday evening. I've got my doubts over Salah. I think Robertson will be OK, but um, I know Salah hasn't been pitched in training. Uh, Liverpool are not in dire need of the points, are they? That they can go to Goodison Park um, safe in the knowledge of a 22-point lead. So, uh, they've also got Divock Origi waiting in the wings, who, who's no stranger to a goal against Everton. Only Steven Gerrard and, and Robbie Fowler have actually scored more against Everton in the Premier League era. Five and seven for him. So um, he'd, he'd be like a you know a bull in the china shop, we'd imagine, if they put him in instead of Salah. So I don't think that's too much of a problem. I think Robertson will start. Not too sure about Salah. Yeah, have you got concerns, Doyley, over Mohamed Salah, whether he'll be fit for this game and, and therefore the knock-on effect it has on Liverpool's strike force? They should have enough to, to see off Everton, won't they? Um, no concerns, really. I don't think there's any concerns for the rest of the season, to be honest. I think it's just getting the season started and just getting those two wins. If Liverpool don't win two of the next nine games, then they don't deserve to win the league. Simple as that. So... You know, I, don't, I can't see, as, as Gorsty said, I can't see them taking any necessary risks. I mean, we're going to do the team selector a bit later on. I think my team's going to be a bit different to everybody else's because I'm very much of the opinion that things will be looking a little bit more different than people are expecting. There's no real... You know, you've got to bear in mind that these players haven't played a competitive game for three and a bit months. And you saw what happened with... I mean, for me, you saw not so much what happened with City and Arsenal with the injuries, but, you know, there's nothing you can... You know, Edison trying to take out one of his teammates. That's got nothing to do with him not playing for three months. Unless he absolutely unless he said something during those three months and he's thinking, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my own back here. Um which which is not beyond the realm's possibility, let's be honest. But just team lineups to all of the teams, a lot of them, you know, the, the four teams that played on Wednesday, certainly three of them had players missing who you'd normally expect to be playing, whether it was through small injuries or benched or, you know, you know, Pep Guardiola said, didn't he? He thought some of his players just weren't fit enough. That's why Rodri was on the bench. So I think there'll be a little bit of that with Liverpool and Everton, to be honest. Although with Everton, it's a bit different because they've hardly got any players now because they're, they've confirmed they're already out. So in that sense, you know, Liverpool are an advantage because they can make these decisions, whereas Everton haven't got sufficient players to actually have a choice to make. And I suppose feeding into that idea, Matt, was what Jurgen Klopp said in the press conference regarding that it's the first time since he's been at Liverpool. He's had four full weeks to have everybody getting prepared for effectively the season resuming a pre-season, as it were, because we only go back to, to August where Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane literally arrived in the final week before the season got underway. So he has had time to actually tinker and think about exactly what he is going to do with that team selection. Yeah, I think it was an interesting point that he made, actually. It wasn't something that I'd thought of myself, to be fair. I think he said something like Sadio Mane had, had had a week before the season started, and I don't even think it was that. I think it was more like you know two or three days at, at the most. So, yeah, I think for, for somebody who works as hard as he does on, on the training pitch with his players and getting these tactics you know into the right shape and that sort of thing, it, it can be hugely important. I think, obviously, we're not going to see as, as much of a pre-season in the summer. There might only be you know, two or three weeks between the end of this season and the start of next. So for Liverpool, yeah, they, they do have that luxury of, of being able to have used that period really probably with one eye on next season as, as much as the rest of this season because, you know, they, they could win the league really even if they lost all of their games from now to the end of the season, which we know is, is not going to happen. You know, that they're, they're that far ahead that they could win it anyway. So, yeah, I think we'll, we will see changes over the next few games. I wouldn't necessarily... Uh, think that there'll be too many just because it's Everton at the weekend. I think you know that the importance is still there, but 
you know, for, for the likes of, of Takumi Minamino, I think he was one that Klopp picked out as well as, as being one who will be a big beneficiary of, of these few weeks off and to have got used to the system, to have, you know, been able to, to train with his teammates more regularly and that sort of thing can, can only be a good thing. And, and certainly for, for Liverpool, you know, with, with the pressure off, I think the last few weeks, I think over the next few months, we'll, we'll probably see the sort of impact of that. Yeah, so Gorsty, what are we expecting at Goodison Park? You're going to be there for the Echo reporting on the game. It's going to be a, a strange old atmosphere and experience, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not too sure what what, what awaits us. To be honest, we've got to take a we've got to do a temperature check when we go in, and I believe they're not even doing things like team sheets. Um, so it's it's all going to be very one way systems in place, and you're obviously going to be socially distanced from other members of the press, and it's going to be really surreal. Um, surreal. I mean, the, the game once, once it kicks off. I mean, football's football, isn't it? I think everyone will kind of be tuned into that. But it, it, with all the build-up to it, that's going to be a little bit surreal. But um, certainly, a, a moment in history, I'd suggest. And um, you know, I, I think as, as strange as it is, and, and as weird and surreal as you, you want to call it, I think it, it's a bit of a privilege to be able to be there when you know Liverpool go behind closed doors for the Manchester derby. It's a uh, be an interesting one. Is it going to quite be a derby, do you think, Doyley? Because obviously no fans in the ground. Certainly, obviously, not at Goodison Park. It won't be hostile for Liverpool. It will effectively be, well, like a training game, but there's going to be points on the line and there's going to be, obviously, the points that Liverpool need to get this title sewn up also at play in this. It is going to all be a bit of a weird mix. I'm not sure about that. Go Bear in mind that they play each other in the mini derby and the mini mini derby, and there's not many people watching there. And I can tell you now that the players are just flying into it, you know, even at that age, so they know what it means. So, you know, we're going to talk about Richarlison in a bit, what he said about Van Dyke. They're, they're not stupid, these footballers, they know exactly. That. And also, they've had three months to build up to this game. It's got to be the biggest build up ever to an actual to a derby ever, even though. You know, I would imagine if you're an Evertonian, you've been a bit, you're a bit relieved to see City roll over Arsenal. Sorry, sorry, guy, but uh, you know, Arsenal are not very good as we know. And uh, so, you know, City. You mentioned then about it being a training game. The interesting thing for me is that if it seems though it's being played under the training game circumstances, our environment in terms of there's no one watching, that suits City down to the ground. I wouldn't be surprised if City, including when they play Liverpool, don't lose another game this season and probably win all of their games unless they get some daft injuries because. The whole thing just suits them. They're about, you know, they're about methods and tactics and all of that kind of stuff. And so it's all ingrained in them. And they don't necessarily need the fans behind them to, to do what they're doing. And I think to a certain extent, Liverpool do, but not to the point where they're not going to get the two wins here. And, you know, in answer to your question about the derby itself at Goodison, Everton need that from their fans. Everton are a team who feed off the fans and... <laughs> Having done Everton games many, many hundreds of times in the past, when things aren't going right, the Everton fans get on the backs. So Everton might actually weirdly, in some way, benefit from there being no fans there because there's going to be none of that negativity that comes from having played Liverpool for the past 10 years and, and you know not won a single game. I think it's October 2010, the last time that Everton won a derby. So in that respect, I suppose it'll, it won't help Liverpool because it won't hinder Everton, if that makes any sense. So, if, you know, in some way, it might just even itself out. And I know a lot's been spoken about the Bundesliga where there's been a lot of away wins, but that's been partly due to the fact that it's been down to the actual skill on the pitch, the talent on the pitch and the, you know, the standard of the two teams. And I think Liverpool, you'd have to, well, you don't have to say, clearly are 
a lot better team at the moment than than Everton are. So if if it just if you take away all the distractions, Liverpool would have to be favourites to win, even if they don't play three or four of the of their regulars. So it will be a bit different, but. You know, once that whistle starts for the players, I mean, it's a funny one, isn't it? Sometimes they'll say, oh, yeah, we felt the crowd and they helped to, you know, drag us onto the win. But then they do interviews where they say, oh, yeah, I didn't hear a word from the crowd. I'm just totally focused on the game. So maybe they just switch into the focus mode, just crack on with that. And then, you know, it's not as if no one's going to cheer when they score. We've seen that from the games we've seen on online. There are still a couple of hundred people in there. They still make a noise. Admittedly, it won't sound very much, you know, in... In, what is it, 40,000 capacity Goodison? You know, that's certainly the high stands of the main stand. It'll, it'll seem a little bit odd, but still a game of football, as Ghosty said. Once the game starts, they'll just be, you know, they're, they're not going to be thinking about there being nobody there. They're going to be thinking about, I need to win my individual battle with this particular player, and we need to win this game for Liverpool, whether it's to step, take a step nearer to winning the title or for Everton, it's to stop Liverpool, you know, winning a game. Yeah, it, it is interesting. Matt, your take on that. Is it a case of we might through. The, the back end of this season just see effectively the technically better sides winning more football matches I think even on Wednesday Sheffield United for example a side who have come up and surprised a lot of people you get the feeling they're a side who really thrive off atmosphere and the crowd and this that and the other on on Wednesday I think if they're probably still playing now should be a, a, we probably wouldn't have seen a goal because we didn't get that goal that, that was given in the first place yeah, I think the the cream will rise to the top. Of course, I think we've seen that happening in in the Bundesliga, and you know, I, I suppose the the parallel in terms of the Merseyside derby would be the Dortmund Schalke game, which came sort of early on when the Bundesliga came back, and and you saw that okay, it, it was a derby and there was a few tackles, but the gulf between the teams really was was on show there, and I, I can't remember the exact score; it might have been four nil off off the top of my head, but you know, it, it, it was just the case of yes, it's it's a derby, but you know, it what it, it didn't it didn't have the sort of hallmarks of, of derbies in the past. So it'll be interesting to to sort of see whether that is the case again here um, at the weekend. But I don't know. Maybe the fact that it's it's the very first game back. Maybe the fact that you know Everton have, have still got stuff to to play for. They've obviously got a, a relatively new manager in Carlo Ancelotti. They've still obviously got lots to play for heading into next season with lots of players playing for their futures and things like that. Maybe it's not quite the the perfect matchup between Dortmund Schalke and, and Liverpool Everton, but yeah, I suppose the only way to to find out is is to wait for kickoff and, and see what happens. But look, Liverpool are, are the favourites for for every derby. That will be the same here. But yeah, you, you'd imagine that Liverpool's better quality, not just in in this game, but for the rest of the season, will will probably shine through. Well, the interesting thing is sometimes you'll hear players say like, oh, I got told the week before the derby, every time I was outside, I bumped into somebody and they were saying, come on, we need to win this game, etc., etc." which admittedly there will be, you know, unless they've gone to the shops or gone for a little run, they're not going to be bumping into many people. But social media now, so there'll, there'll be no escape because they'll have had, for weeks and weeks and weeks, they'll have had the individual players looking at the event players, they'll have had people just going on at them saying, we've got to win this one, we've got to win this one. You can't let them win the league at Goodison and, okay, well, they can't. As, as Matt said, Everton could still qualify for Europe. Certainly if City get you know kicked out of European competition, there is scope for an extra place there. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we will have to. I suppose if the fans aren't going to stoke the rivalry in the traditional sense inside the ground, get, take your point early that they could on social media, I suppose it might be left up to the players themselves, Gorsty, and Richarlison's not been holding back with comments he's made about Virgil van Dijk. Yeah, it was strange, wasn't it? I read them this morning and, and it was one of those where you 
you do a double take and you think, are these are these genuine quotes? Are these actual words that he said? Because it was so so brazen and so uh, a little bit disrespectful, shall we say? But not. I, I don't think he overstepped the mark. But it was uh, something he certainly wouldn't have said had he been sat with uh, with UK media. I think sometimes players tend to open up a lot more when they're, they're, they're faced with journalists from their own country. Don't Liverpool fans saw that pretty much every time Ryan Babel went on international duty when he was at the club and it was something Romelu Lukaku did while, while he was at Everton. So, um, I mean, I, I know you've written a piece, haven't you, Dolly, about why, mm. it's, uh, why it was almost needed, something like that, to just add a little bit more spice to it at a time when there's going to be no fans there and and some Everton fans are, are attempting to try and make out that it's a glorified pre-season friendly. So I think this certainly will still matter to, obviously it matters to the poor players, but means a lot to Everton as well to, to kind of put a spanner in the way, even if it is a, a slight one. So uh, I was interested in, in reading Richarlison's comments. Fair enough, he doesn't think Van Dijk is the best defender in the world. Um, dubious to, to suspect the 36-year-old Thiago Silva and Marquinhos at PSG are both better than Van Dijk. And Sergio Ramos, you know, we can talk about him all day as well, can't we? But um, a little bit of um, a little bit of needle, shall we say, heading into this one, and that'll be a, an interesting battle on Sunday. He's a brave boy, isn't he, Doyle? Coming out with comments like that before taking on Virgil Van Dijk, he's saying he, he dribbled past him once before. Well, he might have to do it a few more times to find the back of the net, won't he? Yeah, I mean, wow, he dribbled past somebody. Well done. I mean, I'm pretty sure absolutely every single footballer in the entire world has ever played football has been dribbled past many, 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 many times. That was just that was just weird stat, wasn't there about about Van Dijk? And it, what was it? It was was it Pepe? Pepe, Pepe, yeah. Pepe wasn't it? Yeah, and even then it was just in the Premier League at a certain between one date and another date. It was like how, how specific do you want to be? You know, like is, is, oh, he's still not been dribbled past on a Thursday. You know, something stupid like that. I mean, Richarlison. No, I thought I thought it was actually I thought it was quite funny actually because. If anybody's paid any attention to him during his time on social media, he's a bit of a character and he is a little bit different, should we say. He's a little bit different. So, I mean, the actual video itself, the actual clip was a bit odd as well. I'm not entirely sure what was going on there. But, <laughs> you know, he's come out He's come out and he's done this. And I haven't got a problem with him saying it. I think he's, he's kind of set himself up one way or another <laughs> for, for Sunday, hasn't he? That's, it doesn't matter whether players say something nice about somebody or not nice or kind of goad them. And he'll have known exactly what he was doing. He'll have known it. He'll have, he'll have been trying to play. He, you know, I actually think he probably believes what he said. Uh, but he also, he's probably thrown Ramos in there just to wind up, you know, wind up. He's, he's picked two Brazilian teammates. And then Ramos probably used to wind Liverpool up and wind Van Dijk up, which Everton fans will love as well. So, you know, I don't have a problem with it. And it is a sign that, oh, look, within three days of us being back, we're arguing about goal line technology, VAR, and players mouthing off before big games. You know, it's like it's like what's gonna what you know what's gonna happen next? We're gonna have some kind of controversial sending off. That's the only thing we haven't had yet. We're only three days in. And it is the Merseyside Derby, of course, coming up Sunday. So yes. there is definitely yes, the, room. The, 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 the dirtiest game in Premier League history, yes. Yeah, there are there is definitely room for a red card. Matt, it is it is though brave from Richarlison to come out ahead of taking on Liverpool, albeit he did score in the, the five two defeat at Anfield earlier in the season, but you sort of get the feeling that you know how this one ends and it probably doesn't end too well for him. No, I mean, first of all, I think he's a fantastic footballer. I think he's probably Everton's best player and he could quite easily, you know, move to a, a club maybe further up the league and, and do really well there. So I think he's he's obviously got loads of quality and it seems from these quotes, loads of confidence as well, which is 
never a bad thing in a, a young forward. So, look, I think Everton fans will, will look at it in one of two ways. Some of them might go, yes, get in. You know, we sort of had a bit of a pop at, at Liverpool's best defender. Or they might be slightly scared. And, you know, there's a, a couple of people I know in our office who uh, haven't taken too well to the quote, shall we say, and, and sort of maybe, as you say, can, can sort of see it ending up only one way. So, look, it's not going to make too much of a difference. I don't think if Virgil van Dijk has read those comments, I don't think he'll be particularly bothered by them. I think, you know, he's he's far too good a footballer to be too interested in in sort of getting into those mind games. But, yeah, it, it's, the main thing I would say is that it's going to be a, a really interesting battle because we know how good van Dijk is, but I do really rate Richarlison as well. So, yeah, it, it's one of those to, to keep an eye on him. As you say, he's, he scored against Liverpool earlier in the season. There's no reason to think he can't do that again. But, you know, the, the overall quality, I think, of, of Liverpool should tell. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's put one thing to bed that I, I hope it's the final time we mention his name. Timo Werner was brought up in the, the press conference, Gorsty, and it was one of those that Jurgen Klopp gets asked about transfer news. We know what's coming next. And he straight away just said, well, it's none of my business. He's now signed for Chelsea. Yeah, um, I mean, the question has to be asked, doesn't it? But don't think, don't know what kind of answer they were expecting. He, he just said, we don't speak about it. He's gone to Chelsea and good luck to him because... He's obviously a compatriot and, and he wants him to do well for the German national team. Um, as you say, Guy, I mean, hopefully we can finally put this one to bed. He's gone to Chelsea. Liverpool refused to pay the, the, the £50 million. Um, he had very legitimate reasons for doing that. I think it would have been a slap in the face had he paid that £50 million six weeks or so after f- trying to furlough lowest-paid members of staff. So um, hopefully we can finally put uh, put it to bed on Timo Werner. Yeah, hopefully that is. We'll we'll strike the line through his name there. That well, is. Stop it. asking us about yeah. him then. Well, stop that's asking. it done. That's it done. He got brought up at the press conference. Okay, he's gone now. Now let's not mention Coutinho either. All right. No. Okay. Whoa, so, whoa. Right. Yeah, you went there. But uh, no. <laughs> one one aspect though from the press conference I found quite interesting actually. Doily was when Jurgen Klopp was asked about the null and void brigade. You've already brought them up in the podcast and actually sort of disclosing his concerns at one stage he did actually have. Yeah, I mean, he, he said, I think it was to, was it to build last week or the week before? He'd done, he done an interview anywhere somewhere where he was speaking about he thought it was just crazy, the fact that people wanted to call it off, but he never actually <laughs> revealed his actual emotions and whether he was concerned. And I think it was uh, it was our former colleague, James Pierce, who asked the question in the in the, in the press conference, and he, uh, he said, well, honestly, yeah, I was worried. He actually says he physically felt it, which is interesting. Um, so he obviously to, to have that you know sometimes people just say things but for him to say that for him to have that he must have had a bit of a worry and it would have been more not so much not so much like genuine fear but it'd be more kind of he couldn't quite understand it a bit confused why is this happening you know and he, so he was getting possibly frustration better than worry probably a better way of putting it but you know it doesn't matter now does it it's not going to happen and even and I think once they started talking about points per game and all of this, I think a lot of the the people who wanted the season to be cancelled just, you know, they just kind of became muted, didn't they? Because they knew. And then with each step that's happened, you know, the, the players being tested and so few of them actually testing positive and the, you know, the restrictions that are put in place and the, the health and safety and the fact that the games have gone out. So each obstacle's come up and it's been, you know, it's been passed. So I think that's kind of just an idea now that's just, that's also gone, gone with Werner. 
Yeah, exactly. But very much with the uh, the lower reaches of non-league football, man, it was sorted very early with them. Other than that, it seemed to be more of a social media thing to annoy Liverpool supporters because this week when the Champions League schedule was un- all unveiled, Liverpool no longer in the Champions League. There was no cries for null and void. It didn't seem to be being a thing yet. It, it was interesting to see that Jurgen Klopp did actually sort of take it on and think it could have been a possibility. Yeah, I think at one stage it was a possibility, but we've known for a number of weeks now that that, that was off the table. It was off the table fairly early on in, in these discussions, and you know we, we've discussed plenty of times the, the reasons for that. I mean, just when you, you sat down and, and thought about it purely for, for financial reasons alone, it, it was probably never something that could have took off. So, yeah, it, it was interesting that he sort of expressed those feelings at the time. Um, but you know, it, it is important to point out that that. That was a good few weeks ago and, and a lot has happened since then. So, yeah, I'm sure Liverpool fans probably felt the same at, at one stage. And, yeah, the, the, the most interesting thing really for me is sort of the, uh, as you say, is it something that came about because of Twitter? Maybe if Twitter didn't exist and, and sort of football fans were, were talking amongst themselves in, in a different way, maybe that wouldn't have been quite as, as big a thing. I think maybe sometimes we we sort of take Twitter to be the sort of perception of what the country thinks more than than what it actually is. But uh, yeah, it, it was interesting that he sort of discussed that and, and admitted that. But yeah, I suppose it's it's safe to admit that at this stage because football is, is already back and, and there's no chance that that happens from now. So yeah, it, it was interesting. But uh, yeah, again, it was uh, a question that, that had to be asked really. Yeah, I don't was... think it was a Twitter thing. I think it was more of a more of a Liverpool thing, if we're being honest. That's just because it was such a... I'm sure if Liverpool would have won the league last year, nobody would have been saying it this year because Liverpool had won it last year. They weren't waiting 30 years. It's such a unique, you know, you know set of circumstances for this, to, for this to, to happen. The interesting thing is, you know, I've mentioned a few times, Harry Kane was one of the people who wanted it to be void. And he said, what was it, back in March or April? I can't remember exactly the date. And he said, you know, if, if we've not got it done by the uh, by the end of June, then, you know, perhaps we should just stop. So... Does this mean that Harry Kane's now going to play two games? Then just go, I've had enough now. If he's going to be as good as his word, is he going to play against United uh, tonight and then whoever Tottenham's next game is and just go, sorry, boss, don't want to play anymore. That's me done. See you back in August. You know, of course he's not going to do that, honestly. I've seen it on that same point. I've seen Rio Ferdinand tweeting the other day saying, buzzing, football is back. And, um, you know, he was one of the the ones to to quickly jump on the, it needs to be ended, not avoided. Straight away, wasn't he? So, I mean, uh, we, have to, we have to bear in mind the circumstances are slightly different. When people were saying this, is when you know the, the the pandemic was at its worst, shall we say? And people, but people were not thinking rationally in terms of forget football, forget any industry. That if you haven't been preparing for a return or a new way of working, then imagine if all the shops now had. And I know we've done we did this months ago, but I'm going to do it. I can bring it up to date now because they're actually back open. Imagine if all the shops now had not prepared and then they said, okay, you can open up now. And nobody was ready. People would be kicking off about, I can't get to the shop to get X, Y, and Z. And the people who work in them will be saying, I'm not working and I should be. I've been told that I can be, but they're not ready. Oh, I'm losing out on money. This is exactly what that's about. And it's no different. It's just that the actual numbers are so much higher because there's so much money you know, washing around in football. And it's the fact that people have an emotional attachment to individual shops, as it were, teams, whereas, you know, I don't think, uh, while they might have massive mugs, I don't think anybody's going, I absolutely love Sports Direct. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> Although, get bear, bear in mind the amount of people who were queuing outside in St. Anna's the other day. I think we do. Yeah, no, I, I certainly have to agree. We've had one final word on the Null and Void Brigade joining us on uh, YouTube Live. If you do have any comments you want to uh, leave with us, put them in the comment section. One of them just says, Karen Brady crying into her Prosecco tonight. And that probably about sums it up for the Null and Void Brigade. But final point from the press conference we must raise. And actually, before going on to that, Gorsi, you just wanted to... On the season continuing, it was it was refreshing from Jurgen Klopp as well to say that even if points per game was brought up, that's not how sport should be decided. Being a champion, it should be decided on the field. And he actually has that pride in being able to make sure his side do win the title in the right way. Yeah, 100%. He said something similar in the, in the breakout section for the print journalists shortly after that. He, um, he said something along the lines of, of points per game, but he's glad that he, they're able to actually finish it off and, and get it done properly. Um, because let's not forget, if it was points per game, Liverpool would end up with something ridiculous like 107 points. Um, just because of how dominant they've been across the course of the season, they can still actually go and pick up 109, which is three more wins than Manchester City picked up, who currently hold the record. That just shows you how fantastic they've been throughout the entire season. And it's, it's ridiculous to think that they've only dropped five points. Um, so far this season so he, he wants to finish it off properly he knows they're going to be champions deep down despite the fact that he's never publicly said it um, but yeah he, he wants to, to finish it properly in the way it should be and I think we all do don't we you know putting your, your allegiances aside it's it's best that if it is possible to, to complete the season with 38 played for, for everyone that's the best way to do it and unfortunately we, we are getting the chance to do that yeah, that is a uh, yeah good point that Jurgen Klopp did make. Well, we're going to get into the team selection shortly. And one guy who might feature prominently, Doyle, is Takumi Minamino, who Jurgen Klopp's now said with obviously this three and a half month break, rather than running around trying to impress everybody and do everything he's been asked of in training and everything, that he seems to have settled in now and could actually have a, a real impact in these final nine games. Well, we've written this a few times. He was the obvious, you don't want to say beneficiary of the break, but the reality is he's he's the one that's more than perhaps any of them. He's able to take advantage of the fact that they are doing this training session for, you know, four weeks preparing for it. Because you know, it would have been hard for him. He's, he's not long been at the, the club. He's come to a different country. And then suddenly every, he's having to just stay by himself, or presumably by himself, certainly not with any teammates, you know. So he's, he's come across to a different country. He's having to, you know, get used to it. And then this has happened. So... Being back with the team, training for about three or four weeks now, would have been excellent for him in, in a personal, you know, capacity. But in terms of a football one, it'll benefit him from knowing the, you know, as we've mentioned before, the little, you know, the routines, the kind of thing that Klopp's like. Everybody knows that there's, there's it's a lot more difficult coming into a Jurgen Klopp squad because of the very specifics that the the team demand of, you know, of the players. You know, we've seen with Robertson, Fabinho, players like that. It's not easy for them when they first come in. And then again, you've got the likes of Mane and Salary who've been able to, you know, they they hit the ground running. So, yeah, for Milan, you know, he, he played in the game against Blackman, didn't he? Played, you know, the first half, set up one goal, scored another, seemed pretty lively from the clip that we saw. So, you know, he's somebody that will have a part to play. And I think we've mentioned in the past, without want to go back to that player who we've just said we're never going to mention again. But if, you know, if Liverpool had paid... 30, 40 million for Minamino this summer. Because which, to, given the way that he played against Liverpool and the way he was playing in the Champions League, I don't think anybody would have been particularly gone, oh, we've paid too much to go, that's a great move. Liverpool got him for seven, what was it, 7.25 million, something like that. Very, very little amount of money. And he's now going to 
you know, have the benefit of being there for five, six months and being able to see what's needed, what's required. He's not had any pressure on him for three months. They're not been doing anything. And now it's a chance for him over these, because he'll get minutes because they're playing so many games, I think nine in 36 days. He'll get a chance to, to show what he can do. And he can play in a number of positions. And he may make Liverpool, you know, see why they didn't go or didn't feel as though they could spend big on a player who, who we're not mentioning, who, um, who, who you know, they thought, well, he's not going to play every game. We've also got this other guy we've signed recently. So you know, let's see. Yeah, and Matt, you've, during the course of the lockdown, have had chance to speak to his former manager, Jesse Marsh, and those two points Doyle makes about the versatility and just how cheap Liverpool actually got this top-quality player were two of the sort of resounding messages that came across from Jesse Marsh, who was under no doubt whatsoever that Minamino will be a success at Anfield. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the interesting things is about his position, as you say, Jesse Marsh said that he could play as a number nine, which is, I think, the only position really we've seen him play for, for Liverpool competitively so far. But he also sort of said his, his next best position would be as, as one of the two number eights. So it'll be interesting to, to see sort of where Jurgen Klopp fits him in between now and the end of the season. It, it looked, um, judging by the, the highlights of, of the Blackburn friendly, that he sort of played as a a nine or, or a 10. So he wasn't quite as, as deep as, as the number eight position. But as, again, you know, the, the fact that he is versatile, he can play in a few different positions is only going to benefit him because, you know, Liverpool are, are going to make changes before the end of this season. Players are going to get different opportunities and, and he's a hundred percent going to be one of those. So yeah, it'd be interesting to, to sort of see how much progression he's made, whether he's one that, you know, we're sort of getting to that stage in his Liverpool career where someone like Andy Robertson, Fabinho, it's it's been a similar sort of time uh, before they sort of stepped up and, and really, you know, made a, a big impact. And again, of course, those those three months that he's had without playing competitive football to continue to get used to to training and, and sort of being with his teammates is, is going to be really important. So, yeah, Jesse Marsh had, had spoken to him several times. He'd Sort of had WhatsApp conversations and, and phone calls with him. He said his his English is is coming along well. He's he's sort of learning the language, and I don't know quite how much English he knew before he came here, but certainly it's it's going to have improved over the last few months. And yeah, he he just made the point really when I spoke to him that you know Takumi Minamino is is loving his time in Liverpool. He's really happy here, and of course that's hugely important as well in terms of settling into a, a new country, particularly at a, at a at a time that that we're in at the moment. So. Yeah, I think he's he's certainly one of those that is probably Liverpool fans are, are going to be most excited about between now and, and the end of the campaign, and it's going to be interesting. I think he'll he'll probably come off off the bench at the weekend. I don't think he'll start, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of impact he makes. Yeah, if you are just rejoining us from the big freeze coming out of lockdown on the Blood Red podcast, that podcast interview that Matt did with Jesse Marsh. Well worth a listen. You can find it on our feed. Well, before we go, we best bring back the team selector, dust it down and get it out of the uh, draw because we've all got teams that we, I suppose, have in mind to uh, what Jurgen Klopp might do at Goodison Park on Sunday. We best start them with the goalkeeper. And Gorsty, is it is Alisson going to be OK to play? And I take it we'll all be going with Alisson Becker between the sticks. Yeah, I think so. He's um, he's been fit for quite a while now, and um, he'll be back in. It's strange, strange season for him, but um, hopefully he can finish with a flourish. He's in goal. He was initially going to yeah. miss this game, wasn't he? But Doyle's in goal for you, and Matt, I take it the same likewise. 
Yeah, 100%. Can, no, I'm putting Kelleher in. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> oh, really? I thought, thought you were being what, serious. I'll, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up playing before the end of the season, Kelleher. Tell you. Well, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. So, as for defences then, Gorsty, what back four are you going with? Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think Robertson will play. I think, think he is fit enough. And then um, Joe Gomez and, and Van Dijk continue in that partnership. Yeah, Robertson did miss that Blackburn friendly, but Doyle, you in agreement there? No, I'm having Milner left back. Robertson isn't playing. And Matt, I think I think Robertson will play if he's fit. Um, it, you know, I think we have to to assume that he is, and and if he is, I think it will, yeah, just be Robertson, Van Dijk, Gomez, Trent. Yeah, I have to say that's the, the the four I would have been going with. I suppose the midfield three might be up for some bit of debate. Gorsley, what three are you going with in there? It's it's the the age old debate, isn't it, for the field midfield? What what three goes in there, and it's pretty much everyone's fit. So I, I was I was mindful of putting Alex Oxlade Chamberlain in, but I think he might just go with Fabinho, Henderson, and and Wijnaldum. Yeah, I have to say, Wijnaldum always plays, but he was the one person I was thinking actually Naby Keita might play instead of Doyle. What's your three? Yeah, Wijnaldum's not playing for me. I don't think he's... I think he didn't play much in the Blackburn game. And I'm gonna, and Cater has, by all accounts, you know, he's done really, really well. We saw that. So Cater's got to play. And I think he'll play Henderson and Fabinho. Yeah, no, I, I think, obviously, it, it's difficult to, to gauge on, on how Naby Cater is. And obviously, everyone is, is hugely excited about him. But yeah, I think, for me, it'll, it'll be Wijnaldum. So Henderson, Fabinho, Wijnaldum. I have to say, I'm going with uh, Fabinho, Henderson, and Naby Keita. I think Doyle's twisted my hand. Actually, you're going to change your mind. Yeah, I want, I want to put Keita in. I think Keita now should be given a chance to really show what he can do. Been blighted by injuries for for two years. Liverpool have waited through, you know, waited a year for him to sign, and hasn't really gone his way, has it? So, given these these eight or nine games to come and show what he can do. Is there any chance? Yeah, I also think the, I think the lack of fans we mentioned. I mentioned earlier on about Everton and the pressure. I think that might help him. He won't, you know, if he makes a mistake, there's not going to be lots of fans going grumbling. You know, that's just human nature from fans. I think this could be the making of Cater. Is there any chance then with that midfield three that actually, albeit in a way derby that you might expect hostility in previously, that Klopp actually only goes with one of Henderson or Fabinho and plays a more attack-minded midfield three, or do we think both of those will play? They'll no, I, play. I think they're, they're too important not to play. And as much as there's no fans, it is still a Merseyside derby. So, yeah, I, I'd expect both I, to play. Having said that, Liverpool's last competitive game, Fabinho was dropped. He didn't play against Let's go. Yeah, he, wasn't in, he, no, wasn't, he wasn't in good form before the break. But... No. So, he's, he's another that's got, I wouldn't say something to prove, but, you know, to show to himself that he's over the injury. Because that was the first major injury he'd had in his career. So, it's been, you know, been five, six months since he's returned. So, he should be okay in that respect. And then for the forward three, then, how are we looking? Matt, we'll start with you on the, the forward three. Yeah, it's a similar situation to Robertson, really. I think we have to assume that, that Mohamed Salah can play. If he can, then I think he will. So, for me, Salah, Firmino and Sadio Mane. Doily? Yeah, I'm not going with that. Uh, Mane's playing. Uh, <laughs> Mane's playing. Origi down the middle and Oxlade-Chamberlain on the right. Salah won't risk him. And I think I was I thought long and hard about this actually. Origi has to play down the middle, and there's nowhere else for Firmino to play. Firmino didn't play again. He only came on towards the end of the game against Blackburn, 
and he's somebody that's played 600 billion games in the last couple of years. And I know they've been off for three months, but Klopp kind of mentioned it in his press. He kind of pointed at the fact they've got this game on Sunday, they've got another one on Wednesday straight away. Then they don't play for eight days. So they can mix a match for these first two games and then go big for the City game. And then after that, then they've got games every three or four days. So there is a bit of a gap to the City one. I think I'm not saying they're going to have one eye on the, on the Palace game, but there's no point putting absolutely everybody out there in this first game, run the risk of them all, you know, getting a little bit of an injury or, or pulling something. So just on the basis that I want to get Origi in the team and I don't want him on the wing because he's much better down the middle. That's why I'm going to put Origi and, and Oxlade Chamberlain played against Blackburn and, and did well. I know he, I know he got a knock, but that was, what's that now? About eight, nine days ago. He's, he's well recovered from that and he's been, he's been in training. So he's another one that he was doing okay when the season got curtailed. So, I think give him a chance. Yeah, I, I'm, before you go, Gorsi, I'm just going to quickly reel off my forward three because I actually think that Blackburn friendly, looking at it, certainly the first half, it was very slick with, I'm going to say, Minamino through the middle and Cater. They were both sort of in almost number 10 positions with Ox wide on the right and, yeah, Mane on the left-hand side. I think that's the three I'm going to go with. I was going to try and cram Divock Origi in there, but no, I'm going to go with Mane, Ox and Minamino. I don't, I don't think Salah will play. I think Origi will play in his position. I agree with Doyle, Origi's far better through the middle, but I still think he'll play on the left. Um, I, I think he'll probably swap quite regularly with Mane, to be honest, with Firmino through the middle. So I think it's going to be Origi, Mane and Firmino. So we've all had very different teams in the end on the uh, the team selection, albeit we've had three and a half months to think about them. But what about the match predictions and score predictions? We'll fly around these. Gorsty, you're up first. I've actually gone in our betting prediction. I've done a draw, so uh, I'll have to just stick with that, won't I? Score draw? Uh, yeah, what, what, one all. One one. Doily? Oh, it could be anything. <laughs> three one to Liverpool. And Matt? 2-0, 2-0 Liverpool. Yeah, I'm going to say 3-0 to Liverpool. Well, that's it from us here on the Blood Red podcast. The football is back. Come Sunday, of course, we'll have the return of the post-game podcast as usual. On Monday, we'll be reacting in the Blood Red podcast. It's great to have it back. Can't wait for Sunday. Let it roll on. We will, before the game, of course, have the Behind Enemy Lines podcast as well. Wherever you get your audio on demand, if you could leave us a rating and review. And also on YouTube, whether you've joined us live through the broadcast or catching up later on, thanks for your time and your company always much appreciated until next time though hear from us on the blood red podcast it's bye for now you've been listening to the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo